Good morning. Welcome to our service, those who are watching online as well. Praise the Lord. It's good to have you in service this morning. You know, there are a number who watch us online who are not part of our church, but who faithfully watch and often, you know, write to me, tell us how they enjoy the service and how God has blessed them. And they also, some, some of them even tithe towards uh, the work that we are doing here, which is wonderful. And so we thank God for what the Lord is doing. Amen. Not only here, but also to those of you who are watching online. We just wish that more of you would come and join us in service like this. Hallelujah. Okay. You know, I was thinking about the generation that we have now, the younger generation and all of that. You know, I think most of them don't even realize that our country was once invaded by Japanese. That we went through a war. And uh, I'm thinking about our parents. My parents' side, right? Not the younger ones. Who, but our parents and what they went through. And uh, they came out strong. They came out strong. And because of that, we are here today. One of the things, statements that caught me was this. It says this. The mighty oak tree that you see today was a nut that held its ground yesterday. And it is a matter of holding on to the ground in spite of everything that happens to us. And, uh, you know, you need to actually commend yourself <laughs> For coming through much in life. If you look back into your life, and many of us can sit down and talk about our childhood and the difficult times that we went through, but thank God, all you nuts, I mean, <laughs> you held your ground. Amen? That's why we are not so bothered about all the things that are happening in the world because it's like a circle. Bad things will happen in a broken world. We will face all kinds of situations, all kinds of circumstances circumstances. But I want to encourage you to hold your ground, to remain firm, to stand strong. No wonder Paul, when he writes to the church, he says, having done all, stand. Stand. Don't give up no matter what you go through. Come on, amen. Stand firm. Continue to trust in God in spite of everything. When we compare ourselves to what our parents went through, I mean, it's nothing. What we go through is nothing in comparison to what they went through. But yet they held the ground. They were strong. How many of you come from families that have more than five children background? <laughs> How many of you come from families that had at least eight? Very few. Okay. <laughs> All right. I come from a family of 11. But they held their ground. And I'm glad they did because we are here today. The strong oak tree that you see today was a nut that held its ground yesterday. This morning, I'd like to talk a little bit about creation, but not so much about how God created the entire world, but talking about you and me. I love the Bible because it begins with the, with, by showing us how it all began. How a good God, a wonderful God, created everything 
and he called it good. For out of a good heart comes good things. He, Jesus himself, said that. Out of a good heart, good treasure will come forth. A man out of the abundance of his heart will speak. And God out of the abundance of his heart began to speak our world into existence. Amen. Now, of course, there are those who don't believe that there is a God. You know, it's kind of like if a ball starts to bounce in this room, science can measure and tell you what the ball is made out of. It can tell you how many times the ball will bounce before it loses that bounce in it and eventually goes off. It can measure all these things, but what science cannot explain is how did the ball get into the room? There is something that science cannot explain. But we thank God, you know, as time goes by, somebody once said this. Let me see if I got his name down. Okay, I hope I got his name down. Let me see. Uh, no, I don't have his name down. Anyway, this is what he said. He said, a little science separates us from God, but a lot of science brings us back. Well, the more you begin to study science, see, science does not say this is it. Science says perhaps they do not know. They cannot put a full stop to what they are discovering. But we understand that God created, and this is the wonderful thing. It lifts our spirits up to understand that we've got a good God who out of the goodness of his heart spoke good things into being. Come on, amen. That his whole intention was good, was good. And so now we come to Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through verse 9, how God begins to create mankind. This is wonderful. Before verses uh, 7 through 9, God has this good plan in store. He says, let us make man in our image and likeness. Let us make man in our image and likeness. No, you and I did not come from the monkey. We were made in the image of God. Now, the word image and likeness is like I share, I share in the Bible study. It's like taking a piece of metal and, and pushing it into a clay. And it leaves an imprint. So God is about now to leave an imprint of himself. And that's what he wants to do. So he says that the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living person. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed out of the, out of the ground. The Lord God caused every tree to grow that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. Say good. Well, wonderful. The tree of life it begins with that. Sometimes we get caught up with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We talk so much about man when it took the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But it begins with all that was good. The tree of life. But also in the midst of it, it is in the midst of it of the, the tree of life, there is also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this, I want to talk about re restoring the atmosphere, is because in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, 
It says that it is written, as it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. So what's he saying? What is Paul saying? He says whatever Adam kind of lost, the first Adam, whatever he lost, Jesus has now come as the last Adam to restore. Everything that man lost, Jesus now comes to restore. Come on, amen. Now, we, we, sometimes people begin to say, oh, people use Christianity as a crutch. And I want to say yes, in the sense that I am a broken person and I need a crutch, Jesus, to lean upon. I do not lean upon my own understanding, but I lean upon the goodness and the graciousness of God to carry me through life. Come on, amen. Now, here, here it is. There are three words that I want to leave with you uh, this morning, if I can. The first word is the word prepared. Then the Lord formed a man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living person. I'd like this video to be shown. Is it on? Can we show this one? How many of you know this one? Ah, oh, look. They're dreaming. We still have to name them. You want to name all of them right now? All right. We'll name uh, this half Marlon Jr. and then this half Coral Jr. Okay, we're done. I like Nemo. Nemo? Well, we'll name one Nemo, but I'd like most of them to be Marlon Jr. Just think in a couple of days, we're going to be parents. Yeah. What if they don't like me? Marlon. Oh, really? There's over 400 eggs. Odds are one of them is bound to like you. Right. Okay. Ah, oh, look. They're All right, thank you. Well, Jonathan showed P. Rumley. I decided I would show Finding Nemo. Keep that in your mind as, as I go into the message, basically. The first thing I want to talk about is how God decided he was about to put man into another world. But in order to put, put him in that another world, he had to make sure that man was well prepared. Now, you notice that God created everything first. He didn't create man and then create everything. He created everything first, made sure everything was good, and then he created man. And what he did was he decided to give man a suit to wear so that he would be able to live on this planet. But let me say something, as I've said many times, sadly over funerals, that this is but the house we live in. This is the suit that we wear. You are on the inside, created in the image of God. Come on, amen. The real you is on the inside. Now, if I were to mention a name of a person and you don't know them, you would say, for example, when we said, let's pray for Brother Richard Lim, who is battling cancer. Some of you sent a text and said, who is Brother Richard Lim? And I had to describe him. And then eventually you go, oh, okay, okay, I know him. You know him by the physical person. You said, okay, now I know this person. But the person is the real you. This is the body that we are given. God prepares us a body so that we can adjust to this world. Come on, amen? All right? We need a body to function in this world. So you have uh, how in Hebrews chapter 10, 
in verse 5, it says, Therefore Christ came into the world. He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. A body you prepared for me. Come on, amen. So this body that we have is something that God has given. And eventually, you know, the Spirit of the Lord will come and this will now be the temple of the Holy Spirit. But God prepares things for us before, uh, so that we can live and enjoy the kind of environment He wants us to live in. Now this is also saying something. Before God brings us into any situation, the Bible tells us very clearly that He goes and prepares a place for us. He makes sure that he leads us. You are my shepherd. Psalm 23 says what? Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me, which means that God, no matter what situation you are in, this is why I'm so grateful for the Word of God. It tells me very clearly that God goes before me all of the time. He will be ahead of me. He's already in my tomorrows before I even go into it. That's why I keep talking about you having faith in the God who is leading you. Because He has already prepared your tomorrows. He already knows what your future holds. He doesn't live in a time zone. Man cannot think outside of time. There is always a beginning and an ending. But with God, He is the eternal God. He lives, He is the constant now God. Come on, amen. He lives in our tomorrows. So God already prepares the situation so that when we come into it, we will be able to live in it. Come on, amen. In order for man to live in this world, although uh, the, he, had to com he had to put the spirit or the man into a body so that he could live in this world. Now God will prepare things for us, but He will prepare it in such a way that we will be able to live and not just live. He puts Him in the best environment that we can live and live well. Come on, amen. That everything in our, that surrounds us will be good. Come on, amen. That's, that's how God does it because He is my shepherd, because He is my father. He wants to make sure that these things are prepared. It says a good father leaves an inheritance for his children, which simply means he already prepares sufficient so that his children will not have to go through it, you know, in a difficult manner. God prepares things ahead of time. He prepares things ahead of time. He makes sure everything is good. Sometimes, you know, these birds around our area, one of it is this little loud bird, small little one with a long beak. It's not really a honeysucker, but it looks like one. A little yellow breast. Some of you have seen it. In front of my house, we have a bell that you can ring before you come in. A little bell that's hanging. And when we are not there for a season of time, you come, you can see that a bird is building its nest. Even the animals know how to prepare for their young. They find a place, and they will use anything that they have. I remember years ago, we went to the, uh, there's a restaurant on, on the lake here in Shah Alam. We went inside, and outside they have a glass case, and they talk about modern birds that use electric wires to build their nest. They'll find anything that they can to prepare a place. Now, God talks about us having more faith than the sparrows and 
If I can care for them and make sure that they know how to prepare for their young, God knows how to prepare for us. Come on, amen. But the second thing I want to leave with you is this word planted. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east. Now, it is not so much of taking trees, as I always like to say, God chose the best trees and he planted the garden. You know, he made a garden for them. Because later on, it says he caused the trees to just grow. He didn't really plant them. He just spoke out of the abundance of his heart. He just spoke and good trees began to go. Trees that would be pleasant to the eyes and trees that would have fruit that would be pleasant to eat. But it was not so much of the planting of the garden. The word to plant is the word establish. God established a place. Just like we have established or planted a church in Punjab. Some asked, when are we going to go to Punjab? I said, well, if it clears before the end of the year, we'll go. So we planted a church in Punjab. And that church planted another three more churches in Punjab. So it is planting, meaning establishing a place where people can come and worship. So when it comes to God planting a garden, this is very interesting when I began to look at it. Uh, it, it, you know, when I bought this ring in, uh, on our first trip to Israel, which was permitted by our government, so we flew right into Tel Aviv, just about, maybe about 10, 12 pastors. We flew into Tel Aviv, and we stayed there under, you know, the government allowed us to go, and we were taken all over Israel by the Ministry of Tourism in Israel. And then they came to the hotel and asked whether we wanted to get rings, and so I got this ring. And uh, they said, what do you want to pl be placed on it in Hebrew? Because some, some look at it and say, Pastor, is that uh, the Lord of the Rings one? <laughs> I said, no, it's not. But uh, there are Hebrew words on it. And so they asked me, what do you want to have? And they had many things. And I said, I like this one. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, do you know that that's very difficult to get around this ring in English? But in Hebrew, it was so short. So I didn't know whether the guy shortchanged me or not. How come so short one? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Where God, so short one, you know. So I went to, when we were going around, I went to one of these Jewish shops and, I, and the guy said, hey, you got Hebrew on your ring. So I said, what does it say? Tell me. So he looked at it and he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I said, it's all there? He said, yes. I said, you sure? How come so short? He says, you see, the Hebrew writing is different. Every stroke is a word, and it's also a number. So when they write the word, it is, you know, a combination of different things. The reason I said that is for us to understand this word, Eden. Eden has got five strokes, and each stroke represents something. This is what it means. It means a spot. It means a moment, it means present, it means open doors, and it means delightful pleasure. A spot, moment, present, open door, delightful pleasure. So when God planted or established, what did God do? He established a spot where at certain moments, like in the cool of the day, the ever-present God would come and create an open door 
for his kids to enjoy the, his delightful pleasures. That's what Eden is. So Eden, if you begin to look at historical geography of the Bible, it will be possibly in the area of Mesopotamia, around Iraq, Iran, that place. But they cannot find Eden. Why? Because Eden is not really a place. It's a spot where God comes and visits with His people at different moments in order to create an open door for us to enjoy an open heaven. Come on, amen. That is where He placed man. And so we need to understand that this is what God wants more than anything else. A place, an atmosphere where He can meet with us at any given moment. The ever-present God can meet with us. Come on. And it becomes a present reality. And there is an open heavens above us. Come on, amen. See, the moment Jesus was baptized, what happened? It says the heavens were open. He ex the, the last Adam once again had the Garden of Eden restored to him in a moment of time. The heavens were open. The Spirit descended. The Father began to speak. Now you function under that open heaven. Come on, amen. That's the atmosphere that God wants us to live in. There He placed man. Where did He place man? In this place, this particular atmosphere. That's why I'm talking about we need to have a restoration of this atmosphere where the presence of God is real to us. Now, we're not talking about, you know, uh, being religious. This is nothing to do with religion. See, this is what happens. So I'm going to go into the third word. The priority here is this. God made all kinds of trees to grow, tree of the knowledge, uh, tree of good and uh, tree of life, in the middle, also the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Now the problem is, man now begins to leave the tree of life, which is right there in the middle. There is also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And instead of taking from the tree of, of, uh, of life, man wants to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's where man has always gone towards. So they say, now science is God. They go after the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the problem with man is they do not know how to handle either good or evil. So there are extremes that man would go to because knowledge is increasing according to one of the signs of the last days. Daniel, the book of Daniel talks about this, that knowledge in the last days, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, one of the signs of the last days is knowledge shall increase. And man will constantly go after the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of going to the tree of life. And the Bible says in James chapter 3 verse 15 that this wisdom of the world is caters to the natural. It is earthly, it is natural. Another translation says it is sensual, it is demonic. It leads us further and further away from the knowledge of God. And instead of partaking of life, we are constantly trying to find an answer on the outside. Always looking for more and more and more. But God made us to function with life. Why did I use Nemo? See, Nemo was, the parents had a place prepared for him. 
This is the place where Nemo would enjoy life and life abundantly. But Nemo felt, maybe if I go outside a little bit more, I want to know a little bit more about what's happening beyond the boundaries that God has set for me or his parents have set for him. So Nemo swims outside and the father warns him and his friends warn him and everybody's saying, don't go Nemo, but Nemo goes a little bit further. He wants to show that he's brave. He wants to try new stuff. So Nemo goes a little bit off and he is caught, captured and taken. Now he can still live because he's, pla he's placed in a place where he can live. And he's living with creatures that were taken from where he came from. And now they plan the great escape. Right? But the point is, you can continue to live, you can continue to exist, you can have life, but you will not have life more abundant. You will not have the kind of life. You know how the story ends. Now he comes back home. There's life abundant. He's having a great time with everything. It ends well. Unfortunately, with many people, it does not end well. There are still many Nemos who are stuck in a little fish tank and think that this is the world. This is what life is all about. Yet there is an ocean out there of God's grace, of His love, of His abundance, of His goodness, of his great pleasures that man will not enjoy until he finds the great escape through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, amen. So the priority is to get back into the atmosphere. Otherwise, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, God, I, I, I really miss the sense. If you have experienced his presence, sometimes it's just not there. Maybe I crossed the border. Maybe I went the boundaries. And sometimes you feel like, oh, I want to have this presence back again. Lord, restore to me, David said, the joy of your salvation. I want to have this restored again. I want to be able to enjoy life like I should be enjoying life, not trying to find means to enjoy life. I feel like I'm in a little fishbowl where there's an ocean out there of your grace and of your goodness that I'm not enjoying. And I want to do that. I hear Jesus say, I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, but I'm not tasting it. God, I want that. Because that was God's intention. He planted, he established. This is how life is meant to be lived. We were sitting down and with the different pastors who came to our house and stayed overnight. And so we were talking and got a little bit theological, as pastors usually do. And we talk about what would it have been if man had not sinned? Would we still be looking for a heaven or would we still be enjoying the Eden that God created us? And you have to admit, mankind would still be on earth enjoying Eden, the presence of God and the abundance that God has created. Had man not fallen. So what was the purpose of Jesus? To come back, allow us to come back to God so that the heavens would open. You know, often you hear people talk about Jacob and suddenly he had this dream and the portal seemed to open and a ladder went up all the way to heaven. Angels ascending. Angels what? Ascending and descending, 
See, God does not need angels. Are there angels? Yes. I, I don't mean the one you married. I'm talking about real angelic beings. There are angelic beings, but they are not in heaven. Because God don't need angels. They are called to be ministering to us upon the earth, just waiting and open heaven. So he has this little, this letter that's going up and angels going up and then coming down. Going up, getting whatever they need and coming down. The portal is open. He has this dream. But you know, God doesn't want that to be a letter. He wants that to be an open heaven. He wants that to be an Eden created, an atmosphere where we can say, God, I know that you hear me. I know that you answer me. I know that you are here with me. You've got the very best plans for my life. And your faith will start to rise inside that God, you really know beyond the shadow of doubt, no matter what I go through, Lord, I know you are with me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Your presence will always go before me. Can I hear an amen? That is why God created, created man, made sure man could live on the earth, but he says this is insufficient. What I want to do is I want to make a special spot where different moments of time I can come and there we can have fellowship one with another. No wonder Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you would just open that door, man, looks like the lock is on the inside and not the outside. Jesus will not barge into our homes. He will keep knocking. And until we open that door, he still stands on the outside. Amen? Amen. So I pray that this morning you will begin to say, Lord, I once again want to enjoy living in the ocean of your abundance, of your goodness, of your mercy. Restore to me the atmosphere we talked about, we sang about. I want that atmosphere to change my home, my life. Come, Lord, create an create an Eden over me. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we?